0: the pastorate back in 2005 and uh, well I did and um, and, uh, and, and had the great joy of traveling around the world God gave us an open door to missionaries and were able to go and help them and especially in their Bible colleges and their um, um, institutes for training young preachers in their churches and uh, so I got to Lord let us go to the foreign field about, I'm going to say, 75 times in about 12 different countries. And I met Linda, my first wife, many of you may not know, she died of uh, ovarian cancer. And, uh, and then I met Linda and uh, we got married and within about three years I had her in eight foreign countries in 47 states and most of them two or three times. <laughs> her arms got awful tired. But, <laughs> but uh, then, of course, we got old. And uh, my wife is, is uh, facing an illness, and, and it's debilitating and difficult at times for her, and so on. So just pray for us, but I want to thank you for praying for us and helping us over these years. I God has been good. Um, we don't get out like we used to get out. You know, we used to be able to get out quite a bit, but when you're, I'll be 83 in October. Wednesday, oh, you're, you're supposed to look shocked when I say that. Uh, but uh, we, uh, we, we don't get out as much, but I, I still have a great desire uh, to see the Lord work. I still believe there can be an, a revival. I want you to take your Bibles and go to Daniel, the first chapter, and when you find that, hang on to it. I want to chit-chat with you just a little bit before I preach. Um, when, when It's a wonderful thing. Listen, it's a wonderful thing to grow old. Now, I, I remember what Bob Hamlin said. He said, old age is not for sissies. And it's not, is it, preacher? Oh, man, it's not. But it's still the great, 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 wonderful time of our life. It's an opportunity as to, for us to stay by the stuff. And I want to stay by the stuff. Like your preacher wants to stay by the stuff. There's no, I don't want to have any quit in me. I want to go as long as I can go, do as much as I can do, and be a blessing. For as long as I can be a blessing the Bible says in psalm 71 uh, twice it said it says uh, one place I think it's verse seven or eight says uh, Lord uh, remember me when I'm old and gray-headed when I I think it says when I when my my uh, health fails or my strength fails then he says I think it's verse number nineteen uh, God Uh, remember me uh, and forsake me not when I'm old and gray-headed until I show thy strength to all this generation and thy power to all to come. And I read that and I took hope in that because I I know there's going to come a time this old body's going to die. But I want God to give me as many years still preaching, influencing. You know, I'm, I'm in a church now. I teach the adult class and I won't go soul winning. We... My wife and I try to go out every time, uh, every week, and go soul winning, and so on. We just want to serve the Lord. I want to serve the Lord. And one of the things that's happening is by looking, it's almost like you want you want to you want to just tell you people don't watch television. You want to get you want to get worried and fret and you know, just watch television, especially watch the news programs. You know, watch our president, and uh, so on. But you know what? Listen, folks. Jesus is coming soon. We keep saying it. We keep telling each other. And I don't know if it's just to help us. We like to hear it because we need it. But i want to tell you something. America's in trouble. And I like what the preacher said. Uh, America not, is not a, uh, or, yeah, it's not a, a uh, I don't know how do I say it? God has more on his plate than just America. Okay? And God's going to, and he is, I think he is judging this. So, is, this, is, this is, these are different times. These are different times we're living in. I don't mean that you have to change the gospel to change it. I'm, I'm not talking about it. But these are difficult times. And uh, I thought about this uh, verse here in the first chapter Daniel. I want you to look at, look if you would please, at verse number 28. Verse number 28. Or 8. Verse number 8. Sorry. Verse number 8 of the first chapter. Daniel Verse 8. I uh, hear pages turn, so I want to wait till you find it. In verse number 8, look at the words, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, uh, not with wine, which he drank. He said, therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. I want you to look at that word purposed. Father, please help me to be a blessing. Help me, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I, I can't apologize for my voice and my throat because you know, I don't have anything to do with it. But as you get older, your voice gets weaker. So I may sound a little weak and strained, but I'm okay. And uh, But I want you to look at that verse now, in verse number eight. Daniel purposed in his heart. That means he pondered and thought about something and decided and made a commitment he made a commitment to himself. He said, I'm not going to eat of the king's meat, which is all, of course, against the scriptures. And everything about the, the life that he was forced into as a young man, he was denying and, and uh, so on. And he wasn't going to do that. He wasn't going to defile himself. He wasn't going to dishonor God. And, uh, but he purposed in his heart. And uh, I've got news for you. I think, I think this next few months or years maybe is going to prove who is who and what is what in the Christian world? You know, you're going to find out. You're going to see, I'm afraid you're going to find out. A lot of people say, Oh, yeah, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. And all they did is pray a prayer somewhere and so on. But they're not genuinely born again. And I want to tell you something if you're here this morning and you're not born again, well, you better get born again. If you only knew what's coming, not only after you die, you know what's coming if the Lord comes the tribulation sets in I reread the book of Revelation just a few months ago and I wow the Lord just really dealt with my heart about the, what, what's going to happen in this world what God is going to do and so on and uh, I, I I pastored for 40 years and uh, so on and we, I had one of the joys in the preacher message is have a college you know if so I had a preacher two, two preachers in my life call me and asked me what they I thought about them starting a Bible college. I told them roll over and go back to sleep, Because I'm sorry, but you, what you do is you you go into a home and you get this teenage boy or girl, and you take them into your college and finish raising them. <laughs> yeah. You know, you start because you, you got to build character in them. You got to you got to get them to get up in the morning, get dressed, take a bath, everything, just like your just like your parents. See, but you also find out those who are not real and not really genuine. Maybe their mommy sent, daddy sent or something, and so on. But we need, we need in our country and around the world today, we need some Elijahs. We need some men of God. We need some people who will purpose in the heart. I got a, I got a message. I don't think I'll preach tonight, but I want to. because. Uh, but I want to give you the thought of it. Uh, you remember when when uh, Abraham was on the mountain and he was, and it says he raised the knife and he was going to plunge it into the heart of his son Isaac. Remember that, uh, and uh, and I read that. First of all, I had a preacher preach in chapel on that on that, but a different, whole different thought, but. And so on, and I pondered on it then, but I, I, I got to pondering that truth again. I said, you realize that he was plunging his knife into the chest of his teenage boy? This is the guy, this little boy was everything he loved and everything he's planned for, and everything he hoped in was this boy. And God says, sacrifice him, you know? And, and, and he, so he raised his knife, and of course, God stopped him. Abraham, no, 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 don't do it, wait, wait. And everything. But I thought, what would it take for me? What would it take for me to raise the knife? And, and I, what, what I, when I say it that way, I'm saying, what would what it take for you and I to give our life to the place that we're willing, willing no matter what, no matter what, we're going to obey God? I, have, I know this. If you're here this morning, there's two questions you need to answer. Two questions in life. Okay. Number one, are you saved? Are you really, really born again? Don't give me that stuff. No, are you? See, those are saved. They know that they know that I know that they know that they know. I know I'm saved. If I'm not saved, you're not saved. You can't get saved because I'm saved the Bible way. I got saved through Jesus Christ. I got saved through repenting of my sins and trusting in uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. The second question is who's going to run your life? I first got saved. God, I, I didn't know anything. I, I wasn't raised in a Christian home and uh, never saw the inside of a church until I was 16. But uh, I, 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 when I got saved, soon after that the pastor of the, of the church, that, I, that fact, where I got saved and baptized and so on and joined that church, that preacher, uh, he decided to have a revival. And he brought in a preacher just like Brother uh, uh, Gilmore is bringing a preacher for you, a man of God to preach. And uh, now, my pastor was a very soft-spoken, very kind, soft-spoken preacher. That's all I knew. I never heard anybody anybody else ever preach. He was the only one that preached. He preached the morning I got saved. He candidated for the church, in fact, and I happened to be there that Sunday and so on. But this preacher got up. And he got to squalling and hollering and everything. His face got red. The veins stood out in his face. And he's frightened. And I'm sitting there. And I never heard anything like that. And I said, why is he hollering? Why is he hollering like that? But it wasn't why he's hollering. what he's hollering. And I went forward and gave it myself to God said, "I'll go. Out. God, I'll go anywhere you want me to go. I'll do anything you want me to do. And uh, surrender my life. Within just a few weeks after that, he called me to preach, sent me into the ministry, the Bible college, and all that goes with that and so on but I thank God that God really really dealt with my heart and because uh, there were times in my life I didn't let God lead all the time and I found out how bad a bad a deal that can be if you start running your own life but you need to be born again you need to know that you know that you know that you know and then you need to surrender completely want to raise the knife be willing to put a knife to all your plans, everything you want to do, everything, all the family, all the friends, the job, the future, everything. Give it to the Lord. Just sell out to the Lord, see? And uh, that's what's called getting serious. What Daniel's saying here, it's time to get serious. we got to get serious, man. You know, I pastored for 40 years, and uh, I, on Sunday morning, I'd look at my crowd and thank God for them. And then only find out only 30 or 40% would come back on Sunday night. Never come back on Sunday night. Never. Wouldn't come back. And then on Wednesday night, only about 25% of that morning crowd come to Wednesday night. And I'm saying, what, what, what is this? In my heart, as a Christian who, I mean, a person who hadn't been raised in church and wasn't acquainted with all the ebb and flow of church attendance or the reason and so on, I just know I wanted to go to church. I couldn't wait. I just... God just put that in my heart. Now, I'm not saying I'm better than anybody. I'm just saying I had a hard time as a pastor and wondering. Why, and, and, and then I asked myself, how come the greatest problem in missions is missionaries being called? Why, why aren't we seeing more missionaries called to, to the field? Huh? When I was a young pastor, I, I got phone calls almost, it seemed like every other day, from missionaries that are going to the foreign field somewhere. But uh, now they're going, most of them aren't even staying for a full term and everything. So I'm saying, what, where is the dedication? Where, where is that person? Like, uh, I was in the church in, uh, in the jungles of, of India where, um, um, oh my goodness. I, I have to come back to it. He was the uh, missionary that was a, uh, from England, and he, he uh, what's that ball they play over there? They, they play some kind of ball in England. What is that? Cricket. He was a cricket world champion, cricket player and everything. But he gave his life to Christ. At one time, he was gone for eight years from his wife. Of course, at that time, that's when you had to sail around Cape, uh, Cape, uh, India, whatever that Cape, Buffalo Cape, <laughs> that is at the, in Africa. You had to, and that take a year for you to go from England to India. That's the dedication that these people had. People just, and so on. And so somebody, somebody today needs to make up their mind. I just wonder what would happen if God would just put it on the heart of some people that would begin to pray, really pray, and seek God for, for a revival. What would, it, what would it take? The two ladies that, uh, the elder ladies in, in, uh, in uh, Wales that prayed, one was 82, I think, and the other was 83, their sisters. One was blind, and they prayed and prayed, and God sent a revival just sent a revival, uh, and, they, and all they did was pray and uh, seek the Lord. And uh, so it happened that the church in her town, uh, her nephew came, and he was a preacher boy going to Bible college in, in, in the U.K., and he came and went to the little chapel, Moriah Chapel, there in, in one of the cities in Wales. And uh, was in the church is almost empty, almost all across the land. The churches are empty now. People are playing around with their lives and so on, nobody being faithful to God. And so but they had their little nucleus and there was a sixteen year old girl that was had gotten saved and uh, she was she spoke Gaelic. In that prayer meeting, she prayed out loud, the tears running down her face, prayed out. And told Jesus, said, Jesus, I love you with all my heart. When she'd said that, God moved in on that. And that revival came and stayed for 50 years. And thousands and thousands are saved. See, somebody got serious. Somebody got serious. And uh, and, uh, in my life, in my life, how many times I've seen young couples... Young couples that come to church, and the next thing you know, they're missing church. And and yeah. now they go, they buy a boat, and then they buy a cabin. And a hunting in Michigan it was hunting cabins. You know, everybody wanted to go to go hunting there, so they buy hunting, and they start taking all their money and time and energy, taking the kids out of church and Sunday school and everything. And w- we've lost a whole generation. We've lost maybe two generations because parents give up. See what happens. If you're, not, if you're not just sold out, you're not serious, you're going to surrender your life to the point of inconvenience. Let me say it again. You're going to surrender your life to the point of inconvenience. Oh no, preacher, I can't take a bus. You mean i got to come out here every Saturday and you want me to get up on Sunday morning and you want me to come over here when that ends? You know, you know the buses, are, they're strange things. They, they'll talk to you in the wintertime. They don't want to start. You turn that key in and go, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. Uh-uh. And, uh, 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 and but people, people uh, are not faithful, and uh, and they because they don't want to give their time. They they want to they want to give God what they can to escape what they think is their conscience bothering them, you know, and so on. And if they if honestly, I thought in my heart, if you want to live that way, go ahead. That's not where the blessings are. That's not, where the, that's not where the blessings are. The blessings aren't there. And you're going to go through life. You're going to miss everything God wants to do in your life. Mm-hmm. You're going to miss everything God wants to do in your children's life. Yeah. See? Because we're not serious. Not serious. You know, you go door knocking, you knock on doors. You know what's the problem most people if they don't want to listen to the gospel? They don't care. That's right. They just don't care. They're not, they're not uh, well, I'm Catholic. They, don't, they just don't care. Well, why don't Catholics want to talk about the Bible? If a Catholic's saved, why don't you want to talk about the Bible? See? If you're a Baptist, you're not going to door and it's a Baptist and you want to invite them to church. Say, we're not interested. What? What? Hmm? <clears throat> I'm glad that I had, to, what happened to me is I was, I was a young man, married, had a, had a little baby and uh, unsaved. I'm lost. I'm lost as Joe's turkey. And uh, I'm at Ford Motor Company, and uh, I, of course I began to pick out the Bible thumpers, you know, and the quote-quote Christians, you know, and uh, ridicule them and laugh at them, mock them and scorn them, so on like that. And uh, so i cuss them out, run them off, anything, keep them away from me. But there happened to be one serious Christian. I mean, this guy's name was Bill Van Beert. He had seven kids. Later on, when he, later on, uh, I became his pastor. But he would come up and talk to me. And I liked the guy. I liked the guy so much I, I, I didn't cuss him out. I didn't run him off. I didn't really want him to come, but I said, there's just something. The Holy Spirit dealing with my heart. I did want him, but no, I didn't want him. No, 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 no. Oh, here he comes again, you know, and so on. But one day he came over and he just stood there and talked. We're getting ready to go home. We're working afternoons about eleven o'clock, eleven thirty at night. And uh, he was standing there talking, and then all of a sudden he turned to me and stuck his finger almost in my nose. He said, Fred Schindler, do you know that you're a sinner? You know you're a sinner. You know that God loves you. Do you know that God sent his son Jesus Christ to die for you so that you could be saved? Fred Schindler, you need to be saved. I couldn't get away with those tears. Those tears coming down his cheeks. I, I mean, ow, my knees almost caved in. I looked at him and said like, oh man. Went home and laid in bed, late at night, my hands behind my head, looking up into the ceiling and darkness and so on. I said, where is God? Who is God? Is there heaven? Is, oh, is there hell? Oh, if there's a hell, I'm going there for sure. huh?" But you know what made the difference? That, that man being serious serious, man. He come to witness to me, and he prayed for me and prayed for me. And I got him saved, started Bible college. Five years later, started college, and he come and helped me. Man, just think of that. Think of that. That's unbelievable. See? <clears throat> but the real truth is, it's time to get serious. Our, our nation's in trouble. Our world's in trouble. Lord Jesus is coming. And you know what? I, I don't know how much persecution we're going to get, preacher. Do you? Huh? I don't know. I got a hunch it might get real bad. We we know the Lord's going to come. It's going to be the trumpet's going to sound, you know. And uh, I know we're getting out of here. And uh, in a moment, a twinkling eye, you know, how long? That's quick, you know. That twinkling eye. That's how long it takes the guy behind you to honk the horn after the light turns green. You know, that's fast. But we're going to get out of here one of these days. We're going. we're we're, we're, we're going to be we're going to be with the Lord in heaven. See? And then the tribulation period's coming, the real trouble's coming. See? And your loved ones, your loved ones, if they're not saved, they're gonna stay behind. If they've heard the gospel, they're not gonna get saved, because God'll send them a strong delusion, they believe a lie. This is a time we gotta get busy, we gotta do it. But it's gonna take some people, to get serious. And a serious is a serious that goes by three or four minutes at the altar. Huh? See, God, I, I, I hate to tell you this, but some of you think it is. God doesn't have a hypodermic needle of spirituality that he zaps you with when you come forward. When you come forward, you're coming because God spoke to you from the word of God. And it could have been the night before, not the message even. But God speaks to you, and you come forward get on your knees and say, God, I want to talk to you about what you talk to me about. And God, I'm not serious. God, I've got sin in my life. And, and uh, Father, I, I, I've got to get right with you. I need your help. I, and um, my, my daddy's in the hospital, and he's dying. My grandpa's dying, whatever. And you, my neighbor's lost and, uh, and, and sick with cancer. You've got people everywhere, people everywhere that need Christ and need you to be faithful and go to them. But sometimes we don't have enough dedication to burp out, uh, I love Jesus. But I I know this, that Daniel had to come to a place in his life where he made that decision. He made that decision. I'm going to live for God. I'm not going to dishonor the Lord. I'm not disobeying the scriptures. And if they kill me, they kill me. But I am not going to to, uh, uh, defile myself and my testimony. And as far as I know, really, Daniel is one of the few people in the Bible you can't find anything wrong with. God does not reveal anything about Daniel. In his life of sin, if he, if, if he did, God didn't. He was honest and sincere, dedicated, consecrated, and had one, one, one thing to live for Jesus Christ. Just live for him. See? And uh, so we, to get, we need to get serious. <clears throat> Something else we need to get serious. Uh, let me ask you a question. How many, how many got a Bible? You got a Bible? Can I see your Bible? Can I see it? Wow, look at that. Wow. Let me ask you something. Is it a King James Bible? Amen. Better be. <laughs> huh? Yeah. <clears throat> now let me ask you a question. This is the Word of God, right? Now, I'm not going to ask you whether you read it. I'm going to ask you this. What role, what role does this Bible play in your life? What role? What role? Huh? Uh, here's my role I, on Sunday I come home from Sunday night service I take my Bible I put it on the shelf or the bookshelf over here and there it stays Sunday morning I pick it up and I take it to church come back Sunday night put it on the shelf there it stays huh that all is, that's not very serious that's not being very serious that's, that's not showing that you are interested in living your life by the word of God huh but we got to get serious about our bibles this this is what's going to keep us through any dangers coming we don't know how bad we don't know how bad it can get what i'd like to think is is that you know jesus steps forward to, to come and get us the father's getting ready to say go son and everything and down here on earth uh, everybody all of a sudden is starting to you know get right with god and uh, and all kinds of wonderful things are happening why cuz god the, they're right there and they're they're going to make a serious decision in fact I was going to ask you and then ask you can I ask you I had, I thought about this when I came up here and I'm not going to ask you about it but can I ask you this question how many of you how many of you have in the last calendar year made a real big decision in your life i mean a, maybe a difficult decision but it was a decision, and you had to really pray about it and think about it, and you were able to make that decision. And if you got behind you, you said, yeah, I made a decision. Anybody, how, many, how many can say, I, I, I faced a big decision and made a decision last year? What, what, three of you, four of you, five, five of you. Hmm. And that's Hmm. Think about that. Let me ask you this. How many of you, how many of you have unsaved loved ones that live within a 25-mile radius of this church? Okay, can I see it? You have an unsaved loved one and a friend, or maybe a close friend, somebody you know that you'd really like to see saved. All right, can I see your hand? All right, now. Okay, now I want to ask you this question. How many of you, how many of you right here, since you got saved, all right, so I want you right now in your mind, go back, Like I got saved July 2nd, 1961. Okay? All right? Go back in your mind to that day that God saved you. Now, from that day to this day, right now, sitting in this pew in this church, how many can lift your hand and say, Preacher, I I had a person come up to me, cold turkey. They didn't come to talk about the weather. They didn't come to talk about... Uh, church, they came to talk about salvation. They tried to win me to Christ. One-on-one they come to me. Let me see how many have that happen since you got saved. Preacher, look. Okay, hold your hand up real high. None over here. One, two, three. One. Four people. Four people. Four people came had somebody come to them and try to witness them. Now, if, if, if that's true, how many how many of your loved ones do you think are going to face an encounter with a soul winner? If I turn the question around and said, how many, how many of us can say, I went up cold turkey to somebody and witnessed to them. Maybe it was at a bus stop or in a store and sat down on a bench the next to them. But I did that. I'm not going to do that. But I'll let you think about it. So, who's going to win your loved ones? See, we need to get serious about this. Serious about see, Preacher says, soul winning. Do I know, do I know about soul winning? Do I, as a pastor, man? I can tell you how many, no, I can't. In 40 years of pastoring, I can't tell you how many times Thursday night or Thursday morning came for soul winning. Nobody show up. Nobody. I said, okay, so let's do this. Let's see if we can get them out uh, and uh, pass out flyers. So, talking to church, 150, 200 people in the auditorium. How many come out this Saturday? Give us an hour. Just go door to door and put a paper, put a flyer on the door. That's all you have to do. You don't have to talk to anybody, but you put a track in and, and so on. Nobody show up. Why don't, why don't you come out Saturday and pass out the flyers? Well, oh, I, oh you just, you had some other things to do. Oh, I see. Oh, so you're not very serious about this thing about serving God. You're not very serious about somebody winning your father. I thought maybe if I tried to win my mother or my father, God would send somebody huh, to talk to him also. So I had to get serious. My, my, my father was not saved. He died suddenly. And I, when he died, I did not know whether he was saved or not. I'd just gotten saved six months before that and everything. But I went to see my mother. My dad died in September. The following spring, I went to see my mother. My mother was out in the backyard sitting in a lawn chair drinking a glass of lemonade. And uh, so I went out, pulled another chair up back next to her, just chit-chatting with her. And my heart got broken and I started crying. And I said, Mom, I got to talk to you. I got to talk to you. I'm a brand new Christian. I hadn't been saved a year yet. And uh, she said, well, what's the matter, Fred? And so I took out my New Testament. I said, I want you to forget I'm a Christian. I want you to forget that. I didn't say Christian. I said, I want you to forget I'm a preacher. Because she did not want her son to be a Baptist preacher. That was very clear. And I said, I want you to forget that. I want you to hear it. I want you to listen to what uh, what, what ha- what's happened to me. So I did. And she cried. She just, and we talked for probably... 30, 40 minutes, and uh, she wouldn't get saved. She wouldn't pray, and so and so. I told her she could do it in the house, and everything. And then I, did, you know, then we moved away, and she, we didn't see her much of her. And then when my first wife died, and later I met Linda. Uh, Linda met my mother, and she thought, Linda. I mean, my mother thought Linda could walk on water. She just loved her to death. Just loved everything about her and everything, and just. So Linda, she just starts talking to her and talked to her about the Lord. And when, to, finally she got to the place to kind of draw on a net and ask her to pray and trust the Lord to save her. She said, well, I already did that. She said, well, when did you do that? She said, well, when Fred talked to me there back after Darb died, she called my dad Darb, that was the nickname. And she got saved after I talked. She went in the house and got saved. Huh? Yeah, I'm just saying, you know, what, I really believe God could do something. if We'd get serious. I really do believe God can use you. God can answer your prayers. God can make you a blessing. God will open up the scriptures to you. God will teach you the word of God. God will teach you a lot of things. And you can be a blessing. You can serve people. You say, well, I don't need talent. him. Let that up to God. Why don't, why don't we just make up our mind? I'm going to get serious. Years ago, I made a decision. It may sound like I'm bragging, but I'm not. I'm really not. Uh, I, I decided I wanted to be a blessing. So I asked God, don't let me leave anybody, the presence of anybody, no, even it's an enemy, and leave a sour taste in their mouth. Let me be a blessing. Uh, now I'm, I'm, I'm not pastoring, but I have a pastor. Try that on for size. Be a pastor for 40 years. And, and then then go in and work with the church. And this pastor, my pastor's, uh, uh, I think he just turned sixty, and everything. But you know what? I told the Lord. I said, Lord, how, how can I help this pastor? I can teach a Sunday school class, but I said I know one thing I can do. I can be a blessing. I can be an encourager. I can be that one that pats him on the back. I'm the one who can go soul winning with him if he doesn't have anybody to go soul winning. I can pray with him and so on. I can I can help him and encourage him and so on. I can see you, but you have to make up your mind. You have to you have to determine your heart. Hey, I'm going to get serious. I'm tired of being mediocre. I'm tired of just going through life. I'm tired of not seeing God's blessing. I, I want to live in the supernatural. Why don't you want to live in the supernatural? Why didn't any Christian want to live in the supernatural? Why don't we want to see God? Why, why don't we say, I'm going to pray because I believe God and watch God do great things. When I got saved, um, uh, uh, on my side of the family, on my side of the family, there was nobody saved. I couldn't find anybody. I'm talking about all the way up to second cousins. We didn't even have anybody that went to church, any kind of church. And my wife, Bonnie, she had... Same thing. Nobody saved except for one teenage cousin. One of her cousins uh, was at, went to the First Baptist Church of Wayne, Michigan, was a Sunday school teacher and, and uh, lived for the Lord, went, went on missionary trips and everything, lived for the Lord, had a wonderful Christian marriage raised kids for God and everything. That's the only one, one out of, out of both of our families. You know how many, after uh, about eight years I left there, we had about 29 on my side of the family and 28 on, on Bonnie's side of the family that were saved. i am telling you, God just saved. And I'm not bragging on it because I mean, most of the time it was, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a great big surprise and everything. And we saw them saw those families saved. I was a pastor, so they joined my church and I baptized them. Now I'm discipling them. Hey, God did that, man. God did that, see? I want to live there. Don't you want to live where God answers your prayer? Wouldn't it be a Let me ask you a question. Preacher, I asked my pastor, Kavanaugh. I asked Sal Unizzi this too. Uh, and I said, uh, I said, Brother Sal, and this is the church I pastored now, so I've been gone about four or five years at this time. I said, Brother Sal, do you have men in your church that pray? He says, uh, yes, I do. i got some good, godly men there that pray. I said, can I ask you this? He said, what? I said, how many praying men do you have? Do you have men praying of prayers? See, there are there are people who will pray. I can call on Joe Spence, come up here and pray for the offering. He'll pray for the offering. That don't make him a man of prayer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See? And in fact, most of the time, if you get out and preach in some of these little churches like I do, you can almost, I can almost write down what he's going to pray and say, He almost said it for verbatim. You got it memorized. God, thank you for the day. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for loving us. Bless the service today. Amen. I'm not making fun of his prayer, but I'm saying the next time he prays, pray the same thing. You know why? Because he's not a praying person. He'll pray, but he's not a praying person. What would happen if the men in the church, the men in the church, would become men? I mean, men of prayer. Not just men who went and prayed a prayer, but were men of prayer. See? Uh, I, I, when I, when I, Brother Kavanaugh came, uh, I decided to try and help him. So I got the men. And yeah, I have to be careful. I'm the pastor. I pastored that church for all those years, 26 years. But I said, I'm going to gamble it because I think Brother Kavanaugh will appreciate this. So I got the men together and I said, and I told them about Aaron and her. Remember when. Uh, 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 why can't I say his name? Uh, Abraham, huh? Moses. Moses was could pray, and the people were fighting. The soldiers were fighting the the Amalekites, which rep- you know represents sin. Amalekites represent sin and everything. But they were fighting uh, the, in the war, and and when when Moses raised his hand like that, the battle went to the to the Israelites. But he put them down. The battle went the other way, which told me, you know. It isn't that he's a great leader then. It isn't that he was a great speaker or a great warrior. It's because he had great prayers praying for him. Because he didn't stand up and preach. See? So anyhow, so I, so I called it Aaron Her. So I got the men. I said, when they come into the church, you know, just stop the first man. And right there. You don't have to go find a prayer meeting, find a building. Just pray right there. Back in a corner, pray. So let's pray for our preacher. And got all the men praying for the preacher and for the services. Why? Well, two reasons. First of all, I was hoping I could influence the men of that church to become prayer warriors. That's what I thought. I said, that would be long-lasting. And then I finally got to the place where I didn't even have to go. You go into that. I think you go in there today and look around it in the morning, uh, Sunday school, between Sunday school and Sunday morning, you'll see them standing over there praying, over there praying. They do it now, they do it all the time. See, they're praying, praying. That's getting serious. That's getting serious. Boy, I want to challenge you. Get serious about God. Get serious. Uh, i, I want to close with this. Uh, I, I don't know if you're here and you're not saved. I want to make a comment about it. I had the great joy... I'm going 65 to 75 times to the foreign fields and uh, had a wonderful time going there and teaching and so on and preaching. So uh, uh, I think that the words not saved are probably the saddest words spoken in any language of the world. People around the world Are you saved? No. Think about you're not saved. That means you're one from hell. That's all. Gone. Gone. I remember when Bonnie, I was with Bonnie, my first wife, when she died, when she actually died, she was there, laying there breathing, and then gone. It's gone. People are dying and going to hell. And you need to make up your mind come and get saved. Get born again. Stop fooling around with it and get saved. Get serious about this thing. I hope it gets so serious where you can't sleep tonight. Uh, I'd rather you lose a night's sleep and get saved. Save. <clears throat> and then decide who you're going to serve? How much you're going to serve? Hmm? Maybe lifting the knife for you this morning would be only to say, I'm going to get with my pastor and I'm going to pray and I'm going to give my life to God and I'm going to ask God to solve these problems so I can do everything for him that he wants me to do and get serious about your life. Hmm? Maybe you're here and you're called to preach you're called to be a missionary yourself. say, I can't do that. Yeah, you're right. Keep thinking that because you can't. I can't do this. This preacher can't do this. This is, this is God's work. God has to make you what you are and God has to repair your heart. You're not going to get that done. Huh? You can get all the education you want. And, you, and if you're going to be a preacher, you need to get educated. See? But the real truth is you have to decide in your heart. You have to decide in your heart. You might have to decide this morning just come and say, God, I need you to speak to my heart, show me any areas of my life. I ask God to speak to my heart. Look at look at my heart, uh, Lord. Is there anything you need to do in my life? You need anything in my life that needs to be done. Help me. Say so. Let me ask you something. Are you serious? Have you purposed in your heart to serve the Lord? Have you purposed in your heart Jesus Christ is going to be honored? and glorify it in your life let's stand to our feet please Father in heaven thank you thank you for sending Jesus to die thank you Lord for purchasing us buying us thank you Father for allowing us the privilege to serve you speak to hearts this morning please people respond every head bowed and every eye closed I'm going to ask the pianist to play in just a second. But I want to ask you this question Have you been bought with a price? Have you been paid for? Did Jesus Christ go to the cross? Did he pay for your sins? Did he? Did he get all he paid for? Did he get all he paid for?